As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, everybody. I'm Lauren Van Hamert, and this is Beltline to Broadway, where we talk about the theater from inside the Beltline in Raleigh, North Carolina, where I am, to the bright lights of Broadway and beyond. I need to ask you all to do me a favor and click on that subscribe button so you don't miss any of my candid conversations and interviews with Broadway insiders and theater makers across the globe. I've often said that I think that playwrights are the smartest people in the room, something that was affirmed when Beltline to Broadway's Juan Isler sat down with playwright-director Rajendra Ramoon Maharaj. Maharaj was in Raleigh for a reading of his play, The Miseducation of America, at Theatre Raleigh, which is run by producing artistic director Lauren Kennedy. Here is Maharaj talking to Isler about the fusing together of activism and high art. Um, so my name, Rajendra Raman Maharaj, uh, is Indian, and my dad is originally from India, and his family went through Trinidad before coming to the U.S. And my mother's family is originally from Haiti through the Bahamas before they got to the U.S. Oh. And so, as you know, in the West Indies, there's a whole lot of blending of cultures and communities uh -huh. um, from Africa. Uh -huh. uh, slave ships were dropped off not only here in the U.S. in the South, but also in the West Indies, and uh -huh. so Indo-Afro-Caribbean. And your name means what? It means king. Kings, all yes. three of them are yes. different, <laughs> different types of kings, which is probably why I can't pronounce any of them, because I'm just a, a little prince. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. So you have you got an associate's degree in criminal justice. Yes. Bachelor of Arts in uh, communication art. Yes. St. John's. <laughs> uh, Saint, both of those from St. John's, and then a Master of Fine Arts in uh, theatrical directory. Okay. From Brooklyn College. Brooklyn College. Yes. Question: Why did you not continue down the path of criminal justice? It's so interesting. Um, 
I actually use a lot of my training from criminal justice in my work because when I'm approaching an actor, I'm looking at the behavior of a character, mm-hmm. very much like a lawyer. It's mm-hmm. all about behavior. Mm-hmm. And so I just always love the arts. And I mm-hmm. felt like I could be service in the way that Sidney Poitier and Harry Belafonte, men of the Caribbean who came to the United States and combined that high art and also activism. I, I did see where you, um, director, mm-hmm. choreographer, yes, musical, you, you created did, musicals. Which one do you like the best? Um, I like to consider myself as an artist mm-hmm. and depending, um, wherever I am in my spirit and my season of my life, mm-hmm. I'm just telling stories that matter. Okay. Um, I find playwriting to be the most interesting and challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a great mentor, the late, great August Wilson, mm-hmm. who encouraged me. And um, I love it because it's one of those things that I didn't realize the power of words until mm-hmm. I really started writing my own. Hmm. Okay, okay. So you are doing the inaugural performance for the New Works Reading Series that's being done here at Theater it's Raleigh. so excited. It's so so exciting. you are doing the first. Is this your first time in Raleigh? No. Working. Uh, working, yes, but not visiting because my mother lives here. Uh, she lives in Wake Forest. My sister lives here as well. So uh, they, we all lived in New York. And then a few years ago, my mother said she wanted to come down here because to be in a place that was a, a little slower and just you know a little kinder in her mind and so um this is my first time and it's so exciting because because of the pandemic and mm-hmm. just because my you know it, my mother's getting older mm-hmm. she hasn't been able to see my work for the last few years so mm-hmm. this is like a homecoming okay okay so will there be more of you in North Carolina possibly I believe so I mean I really have fallen in love with this theater um I did not know First of all, this used to be my sister's church before mm. it became a theater. Mm-hmm. And so there's that connection. Mm-hmm. It's right down the road from my mom, my, my mom's house, which mm-hmm. I love. Mm-hmm. And uh, the mission. I mean, mm-hmm. it's very much in line with my values. And I have to tell you, as a BIPOC artist, mm-hmm. the integrity, the safe space that they created for me around really hard issues mm-hmm. uh, and, and really um, challenging work. Uh, Lauren and her whole team has just been really wonderful. So absolutely. Good. Great. Well, speaking of the the hard subjects and the uncomfortable conversations, um, again, it's called Miseducation of America. Um, Has, and not just that work, but some of your other works, um, have people seen those and and have critics seen those and and had negative things to say? Well, I think, I mean, as an artist, your job is to put the work out there in the world. And and as Amir Baraka, the great playwright and activist said, uh, it is your responsibility to tell the truth. And I feel like in my work that I am a connoisseur of truth and history. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm really fascinated how brown and black bodies exist in this space we call America throughout history. And I'm particularly drawn to civil rights issues. Um, I don't know. There's a part of me that really connects to the 60s and the 50s um, and the early civil rights uh, movements and now living right now through the Black Lives Matter, the second great rights movement. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there's always critics. But I think at the end of the day, if I tell the truth and I honor my ancestors, then I'm good. What would you say to someone that says you only do black plays? Well, I would say that they probably haven't seen my shows because my shows always include different cultures because I'm Mm -hmm. multicultural myself. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, 
I would challenge them to say that I do plays about America okay. and the people that I uplift and mm-hmm. uh, shine a light on are black and brown Americans. I think for far too long, honestly, in the American theater, mm-hmm. we have been historically bypassed or relegated to February for our works. And I think that there's an awakening and a reckoning in my generation of artists and activists mm-hmm. that is demanding speaking truth to power and lifting these stories. This is what August Wilson did. Mm-hmm. I mean, we love August because mm-hmm. he took our stories and he upheld the average man and woman mm-hmm. and said, these brown and black hands matter mm-hmm. and help shape America. And that's what I hope to do with my words. Okay, definitely. Um, and understand, I, me throwing that question out you obviously was not my thought pattern, yeah. but it, it happens and yeah. it, it comes. So tell us about the miseducation of America. I will say this, uh, the miseducation of Lauren Hill and the miseducation of America are rooted in the miseducation of the Negro, which is by W. Du Bois. And so the question of what to do with the Negro, which is an American problem that was we're still trying to figure out mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's based on my experience um, during the Black Lives Matter movement, mm-hmm. uh, living in Brooklyn, uh, being a protester, being the third vice president for the NAACP during the Black Lives Matter and the experiences that I had mm-hmm. and that my uh, indigenous, native, uh, Asian, white, uh, Latino ex, uh, African-American brothers just had uh, being held in a, in a cell. Mm-hmm. So in the spirit of Dr. King's letters from Birmingham, mm-hmm. um, that is a little bit of what the, the piece is about. What subject matter have you done besides the uh, fight for the uh, brown and black um, American? I focused a lot also on indigenous, mm-hmm. uh, particularly indigenous women, uh, mm-hmm. who I feel are very um, underserved in the American theater and mm-hmm. stories. I'm also really interested in uh, interpersonal and LGBTQ plus stories. Mm-hmm. So it's really where my spirit lies in that moment mm-hmm. that allows me to kind of follow that path. I'm really influenced by uh, history. Mm-hmm. And I think as Booker T. Washington said, like we are living in history right now. So I'm really interested in telling these stories about what's history. happening right now. Okay. And you said you were from New York, correct? Yes, originally. Okay. What made you decide that, and I, I know I asked you, why did you go from criminal justice to theater? But when you were younger, was there something in you, you know, when did you go to a play or something? And Oh, that's a great question. So my mother always took me to the theater. Mm-hmm. My my father wasn't down with the theater. And so my mother was, made me her little man <laughs> and I would go. And it didn't matter if I was having a hard day at school. It didn't matter if I was... Uh, you know, being bullied or just feeling not great about the world. I could be in one night in Camelot and the <laughs> next night in Dreamgirls mm-hmm. and the next night in Cats. And I just love the transformative experience that you get via the theater. Mm-hmm. Um, the theater is one of the few places every night that we have true American democracy. I always tell folks, it doesn't matter if you're sitting in the front row for Hamilton and paying $800 for that front row, or if you're standing in the cheap seats like I did as a kid growing up. When those lights go to half and then they go down before they come up, and when they come up, equality. We're all about to have a, a journey. And I love that. And that's what really got me drawn to the theater. Equality. Okay. Yes, yes. I, 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 hey, I got a new philosophy. Uh, <laughs> equality in the theater. Um, what play have you seen that you were able to direct, that you saw when you were younger or whatever, that you were able to direct or produce or 
choreograph? Well, I'll tell you, um, I grew up reading a lot of Lorraine Hansberry mm -hmm. and James Baldwin, who are two personal heroes of mine. Mm -hmm. And um, I got to work on the Broadway production with P. Diddy, Alicia Rashad, who became the first black woman to win a Tony. Uh, Audrey McDonald won her fifth Tony and mm -hmm. Sanaa Latham. Mm -hmm. um, and a year and a half later, I got to direct it at Arkansas Repertory Theater. Mm. And I just tell you, just directing the work of one of your ancestors who you hold up mm -hmm. and just know that this is a piece that is so American mm -hmm. and so important mm -hmm. uh, to be able to touch it and shape it was really a gift. Okay. And it was a raisin. A raisin. Right. Of a raisin. Yeah. Um, what made you, I mean, besides the family connection is here now, was, did Lauren come to you or did you go to Lauren and, and say, you know, I want to, I want to do something in Raleigh? Well, it's so funny because Lauren had a contest kind mm -hmm. of where she did a big submission mm -hmm. to writers and I happened to be here because of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And during the pandemic, visiting my mother, mm -hmm. I applied and then mm -hmm. I got the email saying congratulations. And so I, I'm just so honored because mm -hmm. to be the first mm -hmm. um, and to be able to know the type of work that Lauren is doing in terms of new works, mm -hmm. you know, we often think about New York and LA as taking risks and being mm -hmm. brave and speaking mm -hmm. to the now and that the, the South kind of does history plays uh, and to see her just being this fierce lion mm -hmm. taking on these really important issues right now mm -hmm. that are happening to BIPOC people mm -hmm. in this this community. I mean, I had my own experience just two days ago that kind of uh, shaped me a little bit and shook me at the same time. Uh, tell us, can you tell us about that? Yeah, I was driving um, with my colleague and I was in the backseat of the car mm -hmm. and my colleague was driving, who was white, mm -hmm. um, a white male cut off, was getting into a lane to change and this truck with this man who is every much the stereotype that you think of good old boy with the confederate and mm -hmm. and just you know ignorance wouldn't let us in and i'm in the back row and he's you know mouthing the n-word to me and pointing to his hat and i'm looking at his hat and it's a confederate flag mm -hmm. he drives off there's the trump and all those things and i just thought to myself wow that's why i'm here doing the miseducation of america it's not just for the audience it's for me yeah yeah well. Uh, in this area, it's kind of funny because I'm told quite often that that doesn't happen. Mm. So, yeah, that's so. But speaking of Lauren and you, so you are about to embark on something. Yeah, I have two really exciting pieces of news to share with your, your listeners out there. Mm -hmm. um, the first is uh, when I leave here, I go to New York and I am going to be part of the historic team the very first time the prestigious Met is producing an all African-American opera composed by an African-American, lyrics by an African-American, director, choreographer, stage managers, actors at the world famous Met. And the um, Met is the highest you yes, can get yeah, in the world. Yeah. Um, and so to be asked mm -hmm. to be in service, to be asked to be part and be in the room where it happens, mm -hmm. it's just so exciting. What is your part of it? It doesn't I'm matter. the assistant director. Oh, okay. And okay. Uh, it's an and that role is such an important one in opera, mm -hmm. and uh, the opportunities for brown and black and BIPOC artists in opera. Mm -hmm. I, I lived in New York, and I just never thought it was possible. And at this moment, there's an awakening and a reckoning mm -hmm. that are providing spaces for artists and people like myself. So, 
I'm really proud uh, to be able to be in the room. And then um, it's just very exciting because the next piece of news is that I have just been appointed the new producing artistic director of American Stage in St. Pete's, Florida. Yes, congratulations. And I'm so proud because in this, it's 48 years, I think, mm -hmm. um, I'm the first BIPOC producing mm. artistic director. Congrats. Okay, see, I'm sorry, y'all. I'm just, I'm like, I'm grinning from <laughs> ear to ear, and it's just, it's a reason, because this is wonderful news for all of us. And I don't think, and, and yes, he's in Florida, but I don't think everyone realizes just what this does for all of us. <clears throat> you were talking about the pandemic. That's what I, I, I wrote it down. Do you think the pandemic helped or hurt the BIPOC cause in theater? Oh, that's a good question. I think it helped because had people not been forced to be home and see what happened to Brianna and Armand and what happened to Mr. Floyd, there it spilled out. It was a ripple effect and it affected every industry, every industry, mm -hmm. including the theater, which a lot of people still see for white men and women mm -hmm. who run it. Mm -hmm. And although we're at a moment in history right now where on Broadway for the first time, mm -hmm. every new play mm -hmm. being written by an African-American, mm -hmm. not every play of those are being produced by African-Americans. Mm. So there's work to be done. There's still work, still a lot of work yeah. to be done. What do you say to someone that says, okay, enough is enough. Why does everything have to be black or BIPOC? I, I think that the, I would say to that person, um, the privilege you have in saying that is why we still have the struggle. I don't know if I have much else. I know we said we go 30 minutes, but I'm just so anxious to see. Well, can I ask you a question? Oh, gosh, yes. <laughs> so how did you get your love for theater? Where did that come from? Um, I have a degree in music. My degree is in, in commercial music from Winston-Salem State University, go hey. Rams. Uh, and um, I kind of always thought I, I liked theater, but I, I'll be honest with you, before I got in it, the only thing I had ever seen was the typicals, you know, the Wiz, West Side Story, mm -hmm. uh, Pearly. I love Pearly. Which I'm going to be in Pearly in two months. Oh my, who are you playing? I'm playing Get Low. Oh, it'll be a pure life theater here, which actually just finished doing radio golf. Oh, we're going to talk off camera yes, and we're we going to mm -hmm, we get will. you. Yeah, no. um, and in 2014, one of my nephews tricked me into going being in a, a play and I got bit yeah. and um, it just escalated from there. And so either acting or sound design is what I'm I'm doing in theater. So oh, that's wonderful. Uh, one, do, doing, loving that. And then Lauren and I, um, with Beltline Broadway, I actually host a show called Torn, which stands for Theater on Racist Negativity. And we talk to theater people about the racism in the country and in theater. Wow. And so the work that you're talking about, we are actually trying to do. And I, you know, I sometimes I get some negative comments about it, but you know, I'm not going to stop. Well, it's like uh, we have to keep our eyes on the prize, and the, especially when we're doing this EDI work, because it's not just a black and white thing. And I think mm -hmm. people get that really twisted. Mm -hmm. It's inclusive of all people, mm -hmm. all cultures, all genders, all orientation, all pronouns. Yes. And 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 I think that there is a, a beautiful awakening and reckoning that needs to happen. And I think you're part of the instruments. You know, mm -hmm. history always asks us which side were you on, 
And yeah. I think you're on the right side of history. Well, I oh gosh, okay. Hearing you say that, I yeah, I'm definitely appreciating this. Let me ask you this: How long are you going to be in North Carolina? Well, I am here for a few more days, and then I plan to come back. As I said, Lauren and I are going to be talking about the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've really fallen in love with this theater, and I really hope that the state, the governor, all those who have power can see the potential that this could have, this could be the next Alliance Theater. You know, this could be the next Kennedy Center if we really, if we put the time and the effort into it, because I think it's a really special place. Have you been to any of the other theaters in, in the I have area? not, because I, you're here and I'm both writer and director, so mm-hmm. my, I'm the writing best. and directing and then making edits, but I'm looking forward to coming and seeing more art down here. You know, I spent 13 years mm-hmm. in Little Rock, Arkansas, writing the Little Rock Nine story. Oh, wow. uh, yeah, yeah, I did read that. And, you know, it, it got the cover of American Theater Magazine, it mm-hmm. moved Broadway, it was New York Times mm-hmm. critics, and I just have this love of the South. I have the love of the movement and of what brown and black people were able to accomplish under unimaginable circumstances. You know, yeah, the, right. we were not supposed to survive. No, we weren't. And here we are thriving. Right. Let alone be here for 400 something years. Yeah. yeah. So it's funny you said something. I, I think about my work and I think that it's not just written for me or for people today. It's for those yet unborn. Mm-hmm. For the babies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I love that. I definitely love that. I, I'm really curious as we wrap this up. I have a question for you that's been on my mm-hmm. spirit. Mm-hmm. What do you know for sure? What do I know for sure? Yeah. I know that the sun will come out tomorrow. That's about all I know for sure. Mm. And I know that if there's, if there continues to be breath in my, that I'm going to fight for what I think is right until someone can tell me it's wrong. And I'm willing to listen to see if I'm wrong about what I'm thinking. Mm. But if they can't relay to me the reasons why they think I'm wrong, then I'm right. And I'm going to continue to fight for that. And the ancestors are guiding you. We woke up this morning, strangers, and look, we're two comrades in the struggle. Yes, we are. This fall, Maharaj will be assistant directing the groundbreaking opera Fire Shut Up in My Bones at the world-famous Met. This is the first time an opera by an African-American composer will appear on the Met's main stage. It was also formally announced this week that Maharaj will become the first person of color to lead American stage in St. Petersburg, Florida as its new producing artistic director. If you like what you've heard today, please consider subscribing to this podcast. Follow us on social media, on Facebook or Instagram at Beltline to Broadway or Twitter at Beltline to B-Way or visit us online at www.beltlinetobroadway.org. Until next time, I'll see you at the theater. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. 
I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.